step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Welcome to Penalty Box Radio. This is Justin Bradford along with Glenn Blackwell, Intern Alley, our wonderful interns Danielle and Jack returning from college, producer Calvin behind the glass, and holy moly offense. The Nashville Predators, they have it. They, they do. Insane offense right now. Insane. Something really? that we haven't, I mean, we haven't seen, we haven't seen the likes of this in a while. Since. At this capacity. Yeah. 2006, 2007. Yeah. So. For any of you OGs out there. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that was pre, pre-Glenn, pre-G. Pre-G. <laughs> it was. It's been pre-G a while since you've seen an offense this explosive for the Nashville Predators. And the folks have always been on defense, defense, defense. And the defense had a good game against Las Vegas last night. The offense had a stellar game. The depth scoring had a stellar game. I would say, you know, it's very young in the season. But obviously, I think this is the most complete effort from the Nashville Predators, given the team they were playing. They were playing a very, very tough Vegas Golden Knights team in Vegas, which we all know is tough, and the Predators have struggled in Vegas. I mean, a very young team, obviously franchise-wise, but the Predators have struggled there, and coming off what happened to them in L.A., where I'm following the notifications because I was out of town for Dega, and I see, oh, Cal Yarncook, no, he didn't score a goal. It's tied. They lost? (laughs) And following those notifications, how quickly that happened with, with the Kings, and for them to respond the way they did against Vegas in Vegas like that, controlling the team that was controlling the game. Like, the Predators took advantage of their opportunities very, very well, even though Vegas overall, and just in terms of offensive domination, they seemed to control it for the most part, and the stats even speak for that as well, which we'll touch on in a second, Glenn. Yeah, and that's been the theme. I mean, we talked about this last week, and when you start to consistently see that week after week, you're on the right path and you're doing something right. And I think what I'm most excited about seeing right now is that depth being put to good use and there's a life there with all of with all the players combined I mean there it's it's a combined effort one single line doesn't feel like they have the whole weight of the game on their shoulders and that's starting to show I think that everybody can skate out there know that everybody's kind of pulling their own weight for the most part and that depth that you know the we've all talked about that's inside this organization is now actually starting to roll and we're starting to see that on line after line after line. So I think that's what I'm most excited about so far. So let's look at this. Spider Jack got some stats for us here. And this is what is good about this team when you have a line that may, I don't want to say struggle because the offense produced, but the Duchesne line wasn't the best line. And that's okay because other lines stepped in. I mean, the Duchesne line, the Forsberg had the one unassisted goal, but in looking at the high danger chances, 33%. Uh, Corsi 4 is only 20%. 20% Jack? Okay, 20%. Then the best line was the Bonino line. <laughs> so Smith, Sissons, and Bonino, two goals and an assist. The Corsi, four with 50%. The high danger chances, 66.67%. So looking at that, that's when that's what you want is your depth scoring to step up. Because if anything, you can tell Vegas probably prepared for the Duchesne line. 
your depth scoring has to come out and prove that they can belong there. It's the middle six. We always talk about this so much, the middle six, the top line now, and I spoke about this with Ryan Porth and Preds Insiders, that teams are going to prepare for that top line. Well, this is a huge opportunity for that second line or your 1B line with Johansson and Arvidsson and right now Cali Yarncroke, and then your third line out there to really make a difference in a game because if they're going to try to shut down the Duchesne line, well, hey, there's two other lines yep. that can come out and score on you. Or even the fourth line with Kyle Turris, who is off to a good start this season as well. So yes. that's what you want to see out of this team, and it's obviously not anointing them anything right now but you're you're off to a good start offensively which is something that they struggled with you're off to a good start power play wise which is something that they struggled with yeah you you see changes with this team and that's what you wanted to see at the start of the season of some changes the defense will fall into place I think you saw that against Vegas because Vegas has some great names in their team they're a very strong team a very fast team and what I was impressed with is that they kept up with Vegas and even drove the pace at times but Vegas's speed did not determine the scoreboard out there. Mm-hmm. Nashville taking advantage of opportunities to determine the scoreboard. Yeah, and to be honest, I mean, I think everybody knows that continuing this on at the pace that it's going, that's not sustainable, right, for an entire right. A2 game season. But what the Predators are doing is they're looking, they're they're taking care of future Preds down the rest of the season because every single team is going to go through the ebbs and flows and they're going to go through humps. And right now, they're off to such a great start and they're covering themselves. They're getting the points when they need them and for when they actually do go through that slump, go back to the first of the season, a great start is going to help you in those times. So, And, and what, a, what a great showing for the bottom two centers of Kyle Terris and Nick Benino. Each had a goal and an assist. Mm-hmm. And Benino with really the, the dagger through the heart and the power play there at the end that Kyle Terris had the primary assist on right there in the third period. That's what you want. You want to put the dagger in and then mm-hmm. not have to worry about holding on or letting the team come back. So let's look at the offense for this team and our intern Danielle went through and calculated so many great stats from the past decade for this team in the first six games to see how many goals Mm -hmm. that this team was averaging so let's go back to 2009-2010 a lot has changed since then pre-g pre-g that is (laughs) pre-glenn that (laughs) they averaged 1.3 goals a game in their first six so it was a three goal three goals zero one zero one oof Mm-hmm. Next one, 2.66 goals per game, then 2.16, 1.6. Not necessarily the best starts in Predators history there, but let's, you know, given the way the team was playing back then, offense wasn't the priority. It was score some goals when you need to with the Barry Trot system as well. Tommy goals, you want your 3-2 wins, your 2-1 wins, not your 5-4 victories. Then 2013-14, 2.6 goals per game. Then we start seeing 2.16, and then 14-15. 2.6, and then let's get to the 15-16 season when it starts to amp up a little bit, where they're scoring 2, 2, 3, 3, 4, 5 in five victories and a loss, 3.16, and 16-17, 2.16, and then we really get to where it starts bumping here with three goals per game, 3.16, and now you have goals of 5, 3, 5, 6, 4, 5 this season. They're producing. And now they're allowing some goals, but they're producing offensively, and they're showing that they can come back in the third period, which is something that you want this team to have as a killer instinct, number one, and the ability to come back even if you're down by multiple goals. Yeah, and I want to touch on what you mentioned about Turris. You very briefly talked about him, (laughs) and I want to talk about him too because when Turris first came to the Predators, we all saw that he started to get that jump start. You know, it was just he had that instant chemistry, and he kind of trailed off. He had some injuries, but... 
Last season in 55 games, he had seven goals, and in six games, he's already got two. And so I know at the very beginning of the season, you know, we talked about who do you want to see actually shine this year, break out this year. And that was my hope is that we start to see that generation come out of him because he has a way that when he's on his game, those around him are better. And that's what the Predators, this whole team, I think, that chemistry that we're starting to see, it's because this core is made up of players who make those around them better. So. And I mean, this team right now, uh, they're on pace, you know, not far into the season. They're on pace with 382 <laughs> goals. Lots of goals. Which would blow <laughs> the previous record out of the water by lots 110 goals. goals. So even if they don't keep that pace and they slow that pace by a little bit, I still think they're on pace to set a new, a new goal-scoring record for this team as, in franchise history, which to me... Is not saying as much as because they've been so defensive minded before. I think this goal, this record is set to be broken right there, the way it is, but given the offensive talent. So, and before we go, I wanted to touch on some upcoming things going on. It's important to us, obviously, we always want to talk about upcoming hockey events and not just the natural predators who play Arizona tomorrow night and then they're back home against Florida Saturday. But high school hockey, some things coming up this Saturday. Saturday high school hockey game at the brand new Florida Center Bellevue. You have Blackman Stewart's Creek taken on the Tennessee Outlaws at 2 p.m. And then on Monday the 21st at Centennial Sportsplex, you have USN, DCA, and MLK taking on Independent Summit Spring Hill at 8 p.m. And then Monday as well in Bellevue, you have the Tennessee Outlaws taking on Father Ryan at 9 p.m. So lots of high school action coming up the next few days. And then college hockey, it is a rivalry weekend. Vanderbilt taking on MTSU, and they're flipping home rinks between games. So Friday, October 18th, it's Vanderbilt at MTSU at, at Fordyce Center, Antioch at 9.15 p.m. And then Sunday, they have a game at Bellevue, and that's at 9 a.m. So late night hockey, early morning Sunday hockey. I mean, in essence, you could go watch the college hockey and then go to church if you really wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, get your praise in. You yeah, know? Get, get it in. Get, get your hockey in. But, Glenn... <laughs> You know, we think it's it's getting chilly out right now outside. It but, is a little you know, chilly. Not too far from now, it's going to already be the off season. It's going to be hot out. It's going to be vacation time. And what we want you to do is vacation with us at Penalty Box Radio with Ships and Trips Travel and Royal Caribbean July 12th to 19th for a special hockey fan cruise on the Liberty of the Seas. Now, this ship... Mm-hmm. has an ice rink on it. I was about to ask you, I still in the <laughs> off season, I still want to skate. So it, it has an ice rink on it and we have three me. private rentals just for our group on this sheet of ice as well. And we're going out of Galveston. We're going to go to Cozumel, Costa Maya, and Roatan, Honduras. And now the purpose of this obviously is to have fun. We're also going to get everybody together that are Preds fans and hockey fans and raise money for the National Predators Foundation. So so many good things happening there. So we're going to raise money for a good cause through cocktail sales and things like that. We're also going to have private events of Q&As with special guests and trivia and a chuck-a-puck on, on the rink out yes. there, too. Yes, yes, and yes. it's just so many special and fun activities as well. And it's only for those that are in the group with private cocktail parties as well aboard the Liberty of the Seas with Royal Caribbean and ships and ship travel. Go to HockeyFanCruise.com. That's HockeyFanCruise.com for more information on this. Join us. It's the off season. It's past free agency. It's past the draft. It's before everything else happens in the preseason. It's after development camp. It is the perfect time to take a vacation with other hockey fans. So that's HockeyFanCruise.com. Okay. Up next, we're going to talk Arizona Coyotes with Kat Silverman of The Athletic here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game.
Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio and ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, our intern in the studio. We have Allie, Danielle, Jack. Full intern. Full house. Full house. Producer Fullest Calvin house. with those beats back there. Man, jamming every time. Every time. Calvin said, tonight I'm going to play a song that you know. Like, you have to know at least one, and I don't know them yet. Do the John Wall, Troop 41. Okay. You Throw failed back me, to my Calvin. middle school days. has a question mark like, you should know. You failed me, Calvin. There's still time. There's still time. <laughs> I got time. two more. Okay. All right. All right. Well, now I'm looking forward to our next guest here. Kat Silverman with The Athletic covers the Arizona Coyotes and talks all things goalies. So, so many great articles just really diving deep into goalies and the Arizona Coyotes. Kat, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's just start off with the Arizona Coyotes here and just looking. It's so early in the season, but this looks like a team that is playing in that area of pesky. And I know it's a word that's sometimes overused, but a pesky team that they can go out, they can beat one of the top teams in the league, but they may fall to a, a, a team that may not be as good, and they, but they have a lot of good young talent and some veteran leadership. Just overall, what's your analysis of the season so far and what you're seeing from this team? Uh, I think they were a little snake bitten to start the season, uh, not spider bitten like uh, like Alex Kachinik <laughs> in Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, they they started off the year playing. I, I think it's a little overused sometimes saying playing the right way, but they were you know they were getting the right shot attempts, the right shot differentials. They were keeping the puck out of their own zone. They just weren't finding the back of the net. They were I think they had like a one point five shooting percentage to start off the season. Um, but, yeah, Pesky is a good word for it. They're, uh, <laughs> they're finally starting to have the bounces go their way because it is largely a luck-driven sport. So mm-hmm. a couple of those dirty goals have finally gone in instead of, you know, just just going wide. So they've won two of their last three. Um, the one right in the middle was Colorado. They brought that one to overtime, ended up losing – in that five v five or in that three v three overtime, um, but yeah, they're finally starting to uh, finally starting to get the scoring. They have some of the young players. They have just enough veteran presence and talented veteran presence, which I think they were, to put it delicately, kind of lacking for a couple mm-hmm. years there. They had a lot of character, not a not a lot of skill, um, <laughs> and they they have the goaltending, which that you know the buck really stops there. So. Yeah, they're they're a lot of fun to watch. I don't know if they're a top team in the West yet, but they're they're taking those steps forward that they've needed to for I'd say about four or five years now. Absolutely, and for me, they're one of those dark horse candidates for me that I believe will make the playoffs uh, out of their division as well. And 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 like you said, finding the rhythm in the past three games, getting uh, eleven goals is pretty big, and beating Vegas. Obviously, Vegas a very good team, and beating Vegas at home was big for them. And, and you mentioned the goaltending as well, and that's some that's something that's very dangerous for the Coyotes is they can shut some teams down as well. And you have Darcy Kemper and uh, Antti Rantz out there. What does it mean to have two goaltenders of that caliber, knowing that you could pretty much put either one out there, and you're going to have a good competitive game i think that's that's really going to be the difference maker for this team um you know the last i think it's been the last three or four years we've seen the teams that make it the deepest into the into the playoffs have been the teams that really balance their workload for their goaltenders the teams that have the most elite goaltending so to speak during the season but ride their guys for 65 to 70 games a year are the ones that have kind of been sort of faltering when, when they really do reach the playoffs. And so I think if the Coyotes do end up making it, it's going to have to be 
with a fully rested goaltender, whoever ends up winning out that job. At the moment, it looks like Darcy Kemper would probably be the one who would end up taking the playoffs. But Antiranta had his first start in just under 11 months uh, when they played Colorado. That was on the road. It's, it's tough to go and play in Denver. You know, it's, I think they're at 8,000 feet, 5,000 feet elevation, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's a tough building to come into. It's tough to get adjusted to. It was his first game back in, like I said, since I believe it was November 25th of last year. And uh, going up against Nico Rantanen, Gabriel Landeskog and Nathan McKinnon as your first game back isn't something most guys would necessarily enjoy doing. And uh, he only allowed two goals during regulation, and then obviously he allowed the game winner. But was doing really well there for the majority of the game. Um, so he looks like he's he's good as new again, and having a healthy Antiranta could be really what gets them through those lulls in the season. If both guys are essentially able to hopefully steal them, if not outright games, but steal them a point here and there just by getting them to overtime when maybe they don't deserve it. Uh, that's, that's really going to be what it takes to get them ahead of some of those other bubble teams in the West. Cause I think that that wild card race is going to be a lot tighter this year. I think a couple of the teams have taken a step forward um, that, I believe we're hoping to. Um, I think Vancouver's finally taken their step forward. Anaheim might have taken a step forward, so it's not going to be easy. And having both of those goaltenders might be the difference maker for them. And Kat, obviously, you never want to see anybody go down on injury, but you definitely don't want to see one of your biggest shot blockers in Jalmerson go down. He's also been on the number one PK unit thus far. What adjustments do you see being made in his absence? And is there someone specific that you have in mind that you could possibly see working their way up to fill that slot while he's out? Uh, that, that's really tough because, honestly, uh, with no disrespect to the rest of their defensive core, I think they have a lot of really solid guys. I don't think they have anyone else who comes even close to doing what it is that he does. Um, I know that, obviously, the... Well, stats don't mean everything, but when you look at the shot suppression, and it's not just the shot blocking from him, it's the stick work and the gap control, just the way that he manages to shut down the opposition as soon as they hit the offensive zone. That's so huge, and he's miles ahead of everyone else on the team in that particular area. And I don't know if they have someone who can play that particular role, you know, who can really just completely shut down any kind of offensive chance as soon as they come up against them. And so I think that if anything, they're just going to have to adjust their strategy a little bit, uh, particularly on the PK unit. Luckily they do have quite a few good defensive forwards that are able to fill in at the very least by helping out in the defensive role there. They have Brad Richardson, Lawson Krause, Michael Grabner, Carl Soderberg. Those are all guys who do really well on the PK, but obviously those are, those are all forwards. So they, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's not going to be a, a lot of fun to watch uh, for as long as he's out, and I believe it's a, an estimated three-month timetable. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it may not be enough to hurt them. Like like I said, I think their goaltending really does save them in a way, but I think we'll notice it in their shot differentials, and we'll notice it in what the opposition looks like when they hit the offensive zone. So I think it's, it's going to make a big difference for them. 
Absolutely. And again, uh, Kat Silverman of The Athletic joining us right now. And Kevin, we have to let you go. Just wanted to get your thoughts on Phil Kessel. It's one of those things where he pretty much made it to where that was the place he was going to have to go because he wanted to go there. So what does the addition of Phil Kessel, that leadership and a guy that obviously can produce offensively, mean to, to this squad that does have a lot of young talent on the team? It's uh, at least so far, I think it's been just having him on the team has been a huge difference maker on the offense. He hasn't necessarily been putting up the points yet, but he's been contributing to the offensive drives and to getting the puck where it needs to be and just the playmaking out of him. I know we all uh, we love his release and we love his shot, but his playmaking abilities, as far as this team goes, I think it's one of the best. And he's taken on a leadership role with the team. You know, he stayed out after on the ice during practice with a couple of the guys, just going over scenarios with them and talking with them about what Rick, what head coach Rick Tockett talked about during practice and really just sort of taking on a role that we haven't seen him take on with other teams in the past. And so I think that eventually he's going to start scoring and that's obviously that's going to be an even bigger, you know, bonus for them. But just having him there with his offensive skill set and his playmaking skill set, he's set up a couple of their goals already so far, even if it hasn't shown up on the score sheet for him. So I think it's it's been a huge difference maker for them. Well, we're excited to watch tomorrow night's game because Nashville always struggles, it seems, against Arizona. So curious to see how the, both these teams show up, especially Nashville scoring a lot and, and Arizona with their goaltending being able to stop plenty of things as well. So looking forward to tomorrow night's game. And, and Kat, we definitely appreciate you joining us tonight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, folks. That was Kat Silverman. She is with The Athletic, does great coverage, especially deep diving into goaltenders and of the Arizona Coyotes as well. So up next, we're going to go on Saturday's opponent for the Natural Predators, talk Florida Panthers with Jameson Olive. He is with the Florida Panthers organization, their internal beat writer and podcast host. Up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. Radio and ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, intern Alley, intern Danielle, and Spider Jack. Calvin behind the glass, rocking them beats. And I, I knew that song. I, I've heard it. Oh, you have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how I can feel the bass just in my cans here. I'll take a bow. It. Take a bow, take a bow. Okay, up next, the Florida Panthers come to town on Saturday, and join us on the line is Jameson Olive with the Florida Panthers. Jameson, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. So let's just go ahead and dive right in to the Florida Panthers. Some changes, obviously, just in, in the goaltending department over the season and some changes in terms of the, the players that are there as well. What, is, what are the expectations? What have they been for the fans down there, too? And, and excitement, obviously. It's sad to see Roberto Luongo uh, retire, but the excitement of having Sergei Bobrovsky come down and join the team, too. So it's, it's probably some bittersweetness going on there as well, right? Well, it's a little bit of sweet, uh, sweet. When you think about it, I mean, Roberto Longo played 19 years in the league, had a great career, holds all the Panthers' records for goaltending, mm-hmm. and now they're going to retire his jersey in March. So uh, he's getting a great send-off down here. I know everyone's looking, to, looking forward to that game against the Canadians at home when they do retire his number, the first ever player to have their number retired by the Panthers. So that's going to be a big day. But 
in terms of the expectations for this season, like you asked, um, they're sky high. I mean, everyone from the guys in the locker room to the fans, even the most fair weather fans, some people that, you know, are season ticket holders to fans that are just kind of hearing about the team for the first time. Everyone expects this team down here to make the playoffs. And it, it's a huge opportunity for them, just given the fact that when you look around at other professional sports teams down here, the Miami Dolphins are a building, the Miami Marlins are a building, the Miami Heat are kind of in that weird middle ground. So in terms of championship potential, the, the Panthers are at the top of that right now. So everyone's kind of tuning in right now. Everyone's kind of seeing what happens. Everyone's kind of dipping their toes in the water to see what this team does. But overall, like I said, uh, from everyone inside and out, the expectations to make the playoffs this year. And obviously the expectations are there, especially with Joel Quenville coming down. Everybody was wondering where he was going to go, what was going to happen, and the excitement that he can bring just having that championship caliber and what he's able to do with a lot of good young talent. I mean, that's what Chicago had was good young talent when he was really starting off there. And Florida obviously has a lot of good young talent there that he can work with and mold into a championship caliber team. What was that excitement like when that announcement happened and how this team has gelled just having him join the coaching staff? No, oh, it's been shockwaves through, uh, obviously, the league uh, down here, the market, because uh, Florida's one of those places where even though, you know, uh, there's a lot of diehards in here, a lot of people still don't know about hockey in general until this team does, you know, reach where it, get where it needs to go. But that's the thing. Joe Quenville just transcends the sport. He's one of those people where even if you've maybe seen only a couple of hockey games in your life, you, you know his face, you know the look, you know he's won championships. And uh, the, the buzz down here was immediate. They saw, you know, an, an incredible rise in ticket sales. Uh, down here after that happened, and for the players, that was the coolest thing, is that this all happened on locker cleanout day, so as the guys were having their exit meetings, they were also meeting at the end of the day with Joel Quenville, he addressed the whole team, uh, and he got to, you know, talk to them, kind of give them his general message, and say, you know, hey, you guys are going to get back here in a couple months, and we're going to get right to work, and at this time next year, we're going to be in the playoffs, and I think that really inspired the guys, I think that kind of, you know, made the guys had a really good summer, made them more excited to get back, but like you said, who could have ever guessed that five years ago the Panthers would be A, a cap team, and B, have one of the, you know, the, most high, the highest paid and one of the most legendary coaches in the NHL. So it definitely changed the entire landscape down here. And I want to dig in just a little bit deeper what you said about Quinville's message to the players. It seems as though, just from the outside looking in, you can correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like he's trying to get the team just back to the basics of simple hockey, just to kind of get them over the hump of some of what they've been struggling with lately. Do you see that this is maybe just a lack of chemistry that can be straightened out over a couple of weeks of play? And where do you feel like the turning point will be when things start to kind of shake out and start going their way? Uh, well, I don't think it's been a, been a terrible start for the Panthers. I mean, 2-2-2, two, two, and two, you look at their losses, they've had a really tough schedule. Uh, they lost to the Lightning, they lost to the Sabres, who were in first place, they lost to the Carolina Hurricanes, who were in first place. So between that, between a lot of travel, it's, it's a really tough October schedule for the Panthers, which it tends to always be down here, and then they have a ton of home games later in the season. So I think at 2-2-2, two, 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 they're not upset with where they are. I think they, they, they know that you know they can be better than this, but at the same time, they're not saying, you know, man, we slipped up here at the beginning. But overall, kind of looking at his message to the guys, it, it is a lot of it's a lot of hard work. It's basically that's his message to these guys. He, he preaches two things. He preaches working hard and he preaches pace. So uh, these practices from the day one, I mean, he showed up here on the first day of training camp and the guys started scrimmaging right off the bat. They started, you know, skating their legs off, you know, really putting the work in. And then pace throughout the entire game, whether you're a guy that's playing eight minutes a night or a guy that's playing 18 minutes a night, he wants everyone working the same pace, putting in the same effort and playing the system to a tee. Uh, and I think the guys have bought in. The guys have all had really positive things to say about that. They all like they like putting that extra work. They like feeling extremely tired, like their legs are going to fall off after practice. And they like how he does things. So uh, the guys have responded, the teams responded. And like I said, 2-2-2 two, two, and two in this league is nothing. I mean, right now they're actually tied for the second wild card. And uh, like I said, things do easier later on. And that's, you know, at that point you feel like they will be kind of hitting their stride a little bit. And um, looking around the team a little bit, some guys are off to slow starts, some guys are off to hot starts. 
And I think that'll kind of even out in the end. And obviously plenty of talent there for Joel Quenville to work with, which is just exciting down there for them too because some of those years that were lean years and then higher draft picks, able to, to get those players, and now he can really develop them. And again, Jameson Olive joining us from the Florida Panthers. And Jameson, look at the schedule here for October. I know it's one of those things where you know we play the schedule that we're given, but three back-to-backs in the month of October just to kick off the hockey season, two of them being away and away. Just one for you, what's the travel like for you with that? And then also for the team as well, do they kind of like that to where they have to get right in and jump right into all these back-to-backs to where they're in the thick of hockey season right off the bat? Well, for myself, I look at it a little bit. I probably only do like 40%, 50% of the travel. Okay. So my only trip this month is that Western Canada trip, which uh, sadly is probably the toughest trip in terms of just rigorous mm-hmm. travel. Uh, but I'm, I'm still looking forward to that. But when you talk about all the back-to-backs and things like that, uh, obviously it's tough because you know, you're still trying to get your footing in there during the first, first month of the season like every team is. Uh, but at the same time, the reward of the trade-off is that you're playing a ton of games at home later in the season. Uh, from November to December, this team has a franchise record nine-game home streak, which I'm sure all the guys will enjoy a lot. So they have high hopes for that. But kind of looking to set the road in general, when you have a couple of new guys, when you have a new coach, when you have a season of expectations like this, some of the guys have said, you know, it actually is kind of a benefit to spend this much time on the road in October just to just to gel and get together as a team. Because the one thing, uh, I mean, I know you guys know you guys have it in Nashville ever since, you know, that, that, that deep playoff run is that uh, you need to build culture. And for these guys, uh, a lot of the guys have been around for a while, but at the same time, they're still trying to build that winning culture. And that winning culture isn't just about on the ice. It's about, you know, building that relationship with the guys in the room and things like that. So I think uh, in terms of just the benefits of spending so much time on the road here in the month of October, I think that's one of the benefits is that these guys really do get to build that culture and build that chemistry that uh, really does result on, uh, in wins on the ice, I think. And, and now what we're seeing, too, is a good mix of veterans with that young talent. And one of those veterans that signed coming from arrival was Anton Strahlman on July 1st back in the summer. He has over 700 games of NHL experience. How big of a deal was that to bring a veteran guy like that in to help on the blue line, to help mentor some of these young guys and also solidify what Joel Quinville is trying to do for the squad? I think it was huge. Uh, like you said, it, it also helps Joel Quinville just to have a guy there that's been uh, to all these places and been to the Stanley Cup Finals twice to have that experience and imparted on guys like Aaron Eckblad, Mackenzie Weger, Mike Mathis, and a lot of young guys on that decor. And specifically, uh, he started with the season with Mackenzie Weger, who's now been bumped up to the top pairing. But right now he's been playing with Mike Matheson, who has all the skill in the world, still waiting for things to you know, really take off and really reach his potential and reach that ceiling. And he's looked great with Strawman the past couple of games because when you talk about Strawman, you talk about reliability, you talk about just a calm, cool presence. And he's like that on and off the ice. And he, he has kind of almost like a zen-like chill to him. And he just always seems to be riding that middle mellow kind of uh, both on the ice and off the ice. And I think that really helps the younger guys who maybe want to take some risks and want to really push themselves and see how far they can go, knowing that Anton Strauman's backing them up and helping uh, things from going the other way. So he's been a huge confidence booster, not only for the team in general, but specifically for, uh, for the defensemen. And again, Jameson Olive joining us from the Florida Panthers. Uh, Predators take on the Panthers here at home in Nashville on Saturday. And we've, we're familiar with some of these young names, Jonathan Huberdeau, Vincent Trocek, Alexander Barkov, uh, Aaron Ekblad. There's other young talent on this team, too. Who's one of the young players on this squad that you're really excited to see develop and, and know has like some great, great potential with this organization in the future? This team's got a ton of really top prospects that aren't with the team right now. They're either in the AHL or, or in their junior leagues. But in terms of guys on the roster right now, uh, two names that stick out immediately are Henrik Borsham, who's uh, the third-line center right now. He's a first-round pick a couple of years ago. A uh, great player at, at Denver in college. And a uh, good season last year. You know, Got called up, played about 50 games with the Panthers after making his debut. Um, and uh, he's got a ton of potential. He hasn't got up to probably the hottest start he wants, but 
Uh, he's got all the skill in the world. They call him the artist because of all the great things he can do with the puck and all the things he can do on offense. So uh, the, uh, the ceiling's sky high for him. He put on a lot of weight this summer to kind of build on that frame like so many guys have to do when they come into the league. So I think he's definitely going to flip a switch here at some point and really, uh, really start to take off. But the biggest name recently, I mentioned it before, Mackenzie Weger. Uh, this is his third full season in the league. Uh, uh, on this three-game road trip, the Panthers were on three games ago. He got bumped up to the top pairing with Aaron Ekblad. Has been absolutely spectacular in that role. Those guys really playing well with each other, and it's it's a crazy road for him. He was a, he was a seventh round pick. He, you know, spent a lot of years in the AHL, really fought his way to get here, and then finally carve out carve out that role, and has been you know climbing the depth chart ever since. But you look at what he did specifically the last time the Panthers played Monday afternoon in New Jersey when they came back from that four one deficit. He uh, scored the game tying goal. He assisted on the game winning goal. Ekblad had two assists. That pairing really led the way for these guys. So. He's definitely another one of those young defensemen that maybe we weren't talking about two, three years ago, but we're definitely talking about now. So he's definitely a guy to uh, keep an eye on in this game specifically. Yeah, absolutely, and already four points in six games. It's already a good start to the season for him. Well, Jameson, we're looking forward to the game. Obviously, Preds always see the Panthers a lot in the preseason and always fun to see the regular season games and how that shapes out as well. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us tonight. No problem, guys. Good to do it. All right, folks, that is Jameson Olive with the Florida Panthers. He's the host of Territory Talk as well, that podcast for the Florida Panthers, similar to the, the Preds official podcast that Thomas Willis and Brooks Bratton also host as well. So great information there. Highly suggest you check that out if you're interested in that because he does a lot of in-depth diving about the Panthers and the players there too and also some other fun topics as well. So you can follow him on Twitter at Jameson Coop. Okay, so up next we have a lot of questions that got submitted on Twitter from – everything about the roster contracts things like that and someone asked us to explain you know what's the difference between a one-way and a two-way contract and that's what we want to help as well because we did some good job explaining before on junior leagues and how those things happen so let's talk about that and kyle turris and daniel carr and so much more here on penalty box radio espn 1025 the game Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game, Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, interns Allie, Danielle, and Spider Jack, who is white boy dancing in the studio. <laughs> Thank you to producer Calvin for dealing with us for an hour for each week. For loving us. We're a blast. De- I know. Dealing. <laughs> you guys dancing makes it worthwhile. <laughs> this, is why, this is why it comes to work. You we, know? we are characters. We are interesting. Mm-hmm. We are unique. We're goofy. <laughs> All right, plenty of questions came in. Let's go ahead and touch on this one. It was Thad that asked on Twitter that we explain a little bit more between the the difference between the one-way and two-way contracts. So the NHL video game sometimes can skew you wrong in information on how this works. One- and two-way contracts literally only deals with how much a player gets paid. That's it. A two-way contract means he has a salary set for when he's in the NHL and a salary set for when he's at the AHL. Daniel Carr, for instance, was on a one-way. He's he is on a one-way contract, meaning he's at a seven hundred thousand dollar level, a one-way contract. So, if he were to go to Milwaukee, he cleared waivers, but he's staying with the team. He would be getting paid seven hundred thousand dollars to play in Milwaukee. That's most likely the reason why team didn't claim him because they don't want to pay an AHL player seven hundred thousand dollars to play in the AHL. So that helps save them in terms of keeping him in the organization. But you obviously still don't want to be paying a player that much money to play in the minor leagues. So 
That really is the difference. It has nothing to do with waivers. Waivers determine on age, games played, da 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 da. That so one way, two way, literally how much the player is getting paid. That that comes down to that. Well said. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. More questions. Cam Gumpy asks, things that put up more of a fight than Roman Yossi. Glenn? Oh, wow. For, um, my, I will have to say my Circus Peanuts poll on Twitter. I put up a, a, put a pretty good fight. Yeah, they did. The people they actually, enjoy things. Yeah. He told me a lot of people enjoy things, and the Circus Peanuts were fighting pretty hard, and a lot of people disagreed that I said they shouldn't exist. So no, they no, put up a fight. I will say, even though Yossi went down with one punch... I'm glad he stood up for himself because mm-hmm. that was a horrible missed call. Yeah. The high stick to his face. And you like seeing the fire in a player <laughs> yeah. like that. And he's, he's looking around he's like, anything, okay, I'm going to, in my own hands, okay. And he <laughs> decides to, to do that. So That's pro- what a captain does. Props to him Takes for getting for his team. second career fighting major, mm-hmm. even if it was mostly just a second career major. No fighting. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Coach Barry V asks, what will it take to hashtag free tourists? Injuries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's doing so well right now with the fourth line. You're not going to move him around. Letting him play. He's doing well. Let him play. He's carrying that He's carrying that line. He is absolutely, mm-hmm. totally carrying that line. And if he's doing okay carrying that line and then put, participate in the power play, which means that he still has the coach's approval and confidence if you're putting him on special teams, then just let him play. He played close to 15 minutes last night as a fourth-line role, but that's three over three minutes in the power play as well. Mm-hmm. Freed, you're, his, he's being freed by producing right now, Yep. which either sets up his trade value or just makes him happy because he's producing and it makes the team happy because they're winning. He's finally getting his groove back. There. So Okay. This is Brian asks, how about that yarn croak? Playing up in the lineup seems to be suiting him. And it was said on the broadcast last night that Peter Laviolette challenged Cal Yarncroke to be more offensive. Not offensive, but offensive. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he's responded to that fairly well because he, he, and it's to the coaching's fault that he's been put in roles where he needs to be a, more of a shutdown forward or defensive mm-hmm. forward. Well, now they want him to show off his skill and his talent, and sometimes it takes a while for that to click. And it's do it's going okay. Everybody was kind of why is he on that line? Mm-hmm. But for now, it's working. And I say for now because we already know that the the shuffle is going to happen eventually. Just due to injuries and things like that, Glenn. Yeah, and when, I mean, when he came to this team, he's he's known for being able to adapt wherever you put him. And right. so, if he had to if he had to play down some of his talents to do other things that the coaches needed, mm-hmm. he did it. And now they're wanting him to be more offensive and shine. So, right. In case he has a similar question about the potential Forsberg injury, which, by the way, Peter Laviolette said that he's not necessarily day to day, but a game time decision. Mm-hmm. So I think that sounds better, but it's going to depend on what's what's going to look like a morning skate tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also it's also been said that it's a lower body injury, right? Not not a know, head what a injury. A lot of people thought it was a head injury, right? So. And so I I don't think I, I don't think we're going to see any other moves there. And then he also has what's the over under for the Preds scoring five goals in at least half their games this year? <laughs> Only half kidding. Uh, I think the over under at scoring four plus goals a game. I would set the over under at. Let's say 40 games. Okay, so I'm trying to make sure I read the question right. So five goals and at least half Yeah, so I'm going to set it at four plus goals. Not five, but four plus goals. I'm going to set that at 40. You're going to take the over or the under? I'm going to take under. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you think they're going to slow down? A little bit, just because I don't think it's that sustainable, but I don't think that they're going to not be offensive. I just think it's going to be – 
I think they're going to okay. go through ebbs That's and flows fair. where it's going to slow down a little bit. That's fair. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to take. The, I'm going to take the even. There you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that said it. There you so, go. That's fair. So we'll go with that. Uh, then we have Ryan asks, "Do you think that sending this waiver of car is a mistake, uh, or to call up Tolvanen and Rem Pitlick from Milwaukee?" And I think I'd rather see them play more games in Milwaukee right now. Unless there is an actual injury, there's no need for call-ups when you have Daniel Carr. If mm-hmm. there's more than one, then you're going to want to call somebody up, and I think those guys are going to be up there. And then also ask about Santini being played instead of Weber. The third pairing is always the question mark, and I think we've been on this for a while. Then it, it kind of hit me, too, and I think I saw somebody say this on Twitter. The third pairing for every team is frustrating, mm-hmm. which is true because when you think about the amount of depth you're going to have, the money you have to spend – Usually most teams aren't going to have a lot invested in your third pairing, so I understand that way more. I think what happened before, too, is before the trade for Johansson, you had Seth Jones in your third pairing, and people understood that, yeah, he might make some mistakes as a rookie or as a second-year player because he's young. He still had a lot of flashes of brilliance, you can see, because he's probably going to win a Norris Trophy in the next three or four years. Mm -hmm. And that expectation of, oh, well, you have a third-pairing defenseman like Seth Jones, not everybody has that. Yeah. (laughs) It's not very common. That is rare. Exactly. So then Dave asks, right now, Rainey is on pace to play about 54 games this year. He started 66% of the games. Does that amount of starts seem right, or does uh, Saros Rene split the season closer to 50-50? Uh, hashtag load management. I would oh. like to see Pekka Rene at 60% of the games and use Saros at 40%. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Porth and I were talking it's setting up to where it's like Saros Saturdays mm-hmm. <laughs> in October because Saros has had two of the Saturday starts. And Pecorini most likely, I would think, would start against Arizona being a conference game and then a non-conference game Saturday against Florida. That would be a Saros start. That would be three Saros Saturdays. Yes. Saros Saturdays. That's hard to say. I'm not going to try to Saros say Saros Saturdays. But yeah. At the end of last <laughs> season, I remember saying that I wanted for this season, I'm looking at a 60-40 and then by next year getting closer maybe to that to that 50-50 mark. Maybe mm-hmm. not, but getting closer to that. But I don't right. I don't necessarily think that's going to be this season. Then we have another Dave. So a different Dave, not the same Dave. Will Duchesne outscore his jersey number? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think he will. I, know, I heard J.P. Dumont say in Smashville Live that he thinks Duchesne will get 90 points. Can you imagine oh, the wow. presence of the 90-point player? Yeah. I One. don't think he's going to outscore Jersey, but that's a fantastic question. It's a fantastic ask. question. I, let's, let, we'll have to address that later on with other Predator players I wanna in just, Jersey numbers. I want to just go wild and give him the thumbs up. He did thumbs up or thumb down. So Maybe will Mikhail Glenland outscore his Jersey? I think that's a fair question. That's fair. 64. That's fair. I, I, would, t- I would say... Not this year. Not, I would say no, but he gets very close. Yeah. I think he outscores. I think he can outscore Roman's jersey number. There you go. <laughs> right in between. Right, right, yeah. between, just right in between. Right between there. Then <laughs> let's see. Johnny asks, "Are you surprised for about Stone not getting anything for the hit on Forsberg since Superior left his feet, and the principal point of contact was the head?" I, I don't think after watching the replay that obviously we would have heard something by now. I think yeah. extreme slow motion. It looks worse. Yeah. Even though it's a questionable hit. I understand why the Department of Player Safety has not done anything with that as well because we see it all the time. Try to turn off your bias. When hits happen, you leave after the hit or during the hit, skates leave the ice. Yeah. It's about before the hit if skates are leaving the ice. And, and the direction that Forsberg was going as well. It's yeah. I think awkward. that's what they're going to look at. You yeah. know, They're always going to ask, is it the principal point of contact? But then they're also going to say, did Forsberg... You know, did he set himself up for that? And he did. If you watched it, he turned his head. But mm-hmm. it's just it's very, very tricky because not all dangerous plays are illegal. And that's just something right. that you have to deal with when you watch the game. And I, it's unfortunate that, you know, 
He's out, but it's lower body, so he actually wasn't right. even injured on that play. Right, exactly. Like, so. Thankfully. Uh, Daniel asks about Brian Boyle. Is that truly dead? It's like, I think a pretty big injury would have to happen because I think they're they're past that. They're past Brian Boyle, even though he's a great guy. He was great with the team. He was great in the locker room, and he did produce for the, for the team. I just don't think that's, that's going to happen right now. Uh, Colby asks, along with the actual Winter Classic game, what other events are planned or generally take place that week? Well, this is a different Winter Classic. There's no alumni game. There's no other events going on. There's only two practices on the ice and the game. That is it. We have a big party, though, that is sold out for Penalty Box Radio. So, sorry, folks. You should have bought a long time ago when it went on sale mm-hmm. four months ago. But the Winter Classic <laughs> is sold out as well, so it's going to be tough. You're going to have to buy a secondary market to get down there, but that's pretty much it. Hopefully, they open things at the county at the state fair. I'd love to see some of those things open especially for all the different unique food items and everything. Okay, well, we have got to head out. Remember, we have lots of high school hockey coverage, PenaltyBoxRadio.com, college hockey coverage, PenaltyBoxRadio.com, and all these different things happening podcast-wise, game coverage, everything you need with our great crew and staff at Penalty Box Radio. Big thanks to producer Calvin Behind the Glass. For interns, Allie, Danielle, and Spider Jack, and Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.